welcome to another episode of Song Mess. Uh, what's your name? <laughs> I'm Beverly Bryant. <laughs> and I'm Richard Villegas. Um, and happy Pride! How you doing, Ben? Happy Pride. Sorry, I'm just a little too excited. <laughs> I jumped the gun there. Um, well, uh, right now we're listening to a song by Cumbia Queers. Uh, it's called Todos Pasajero. Let's actually finish this before we uh, fully dive into the mess. And we're back. How you doing, Bev? Long time no here. Yeah, I'm doing great. I'm I'm so happy to be back for this very special episode. This is only our second ever Pride episode, which is kind of shocking. Yeah, I was kind of mad that we didn't do one last year, but like we it, it was we were at a moment where I forget what had happened. I think I might have traveled somewhere, and I just had like a bunch of interviews already like pre recorded, and was like, oh, it's fine, <laughs> you know. Uh, we had a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's fun. I mean, like, I'm excited for it. Oh, that's right. I, I was already in Mexico. Yeah, exactly. So I already had a ton of shit, like, you know, boxed away. Um, but yeah, and our, our first our first Pride episode was actually marred uh, by tragedy because it, it, it happened, like, a week after the whole uh, uh, Pulse nightclub shooting, um, which was... Oh, yeah. That was our angry... Yeah, we were pretty pissed. Pride episode. And I'm very glad that we, you know, even though we're, we're still, we're doing a theme this year, we didn't just want to bring random queers and trans folks, you know, like, it is jovial. Even though that's always a party. Absolutely. Hey. But yeah, I mean, the, the, the mood today is jovial. And like, you know, I'm really excited because we kicked off with Cumbia Queers. I didn't even know they had a new song and you brought this in. 
Yeah, well, you know, I was I was checking up to see what they'd been doing because we had the Pride episode uh, to plan for. Um, for those who don't know, they've been together since 2007. And um, they're an Argentinian group, all queer ladies. It's a, kind of a queer core meets cumbia Vieira type of thing. And um, yeah, I was super stoked to see they had a new song because I've been following them for a long time. And um, Todo Es Pasajero is like, that means everything is transient or everything is temporary. Yeah. Nothing lasts forever. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Pretty dope. Yeah. And I mean, not even November Rain is, you know, forever. So um, and it's actually it's ah. a great little track. Um, I, 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 refresh my memory, because I know Ali Wagua, uh, was Ali Wagua part of uh, Cumbia Queers? Is, I mean, is she part of Cumbia Queers? She was the original front woman. Mm. My research suggests that she is not currently with the band. Got it. Okay. Well, the reason I bring Ali Guagua up is because uh, she has a, um, a, a queer cevicheria here in Mexico City uh, that was recently uh, uh, the, you know, the scene of a hate crime. Um, yeah. What? So La Cañita is this like really... A uh, really dope space. A lot of like the traición people, like you know, on like independent things. Like they'll have parties there. Cat Donahue, for example, hosted her birthday party there last year, and I went up like in full drags. And like it was, you know, it's it's a really really great space, and they bring DJs and stuff. And by the way, the the fucking ceviche there is incredible. The cevichelas are amazing. Um, and uh, they it sounds like a dream. Yeah, it's amazing. And the thing is that like it's kind of in not in a, you know it's in La Doctores, which is a neighborhood that's a little rough around the edges. And so, um, you know, they're kind of technically gentrifiers because the people that they attract are not locals. Uh, you know, it's kind of fancy. Um, not fancy, but, like, it is pricey. Um, and so, you know, like, they usually, like, try to make good with, with the neighbors. You know, they'll be like, oh, here's some drinks, da-da-da, come in, come through for ceviche. Like, we're cool, right? And so, um, on, you know, a few weeks ago, uh, some, of the, some of the locals, like, some of the neighbors uh, were there, and they were, like, hanging out, and they got a little too wasted, and they started acting crazy, and they started hitting up... Um, uh, hitting on like the 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 bartenders and the staff uh all of which are queer women by the way um because like this this they're very focused on that um and they got crazy and like they started like literally like physically attacking them uh they have this little canopy outside that's like made of uh of like a palm i guess um and they like set it on fire like it's crazy what happened so um at the moment the the cevichetti is closed it's very likely that they will relocate um but yeah, I mean, it like, that's why I mentioned them and like, you know, like Cumbia Queers came up and I was just like, oh shit, like we should really talk about that because at the end of the day, even though this is uh, still going to be like jovial in tone, I feel like this episode, uh, there are still important things uh, that we're going to be discussing. Um, we're going to be touching on a lot of things that are not jovial, but I think that that's important that that's what like, you can't ever really leave that out of pride until like, I mean, even if like homophobia ended tomorrow right um that history would still be there and that's so like that's it's always going to be a part of pride absolutely um do you care to tell our listeners a little bit about what today's theme is i mean you you conceived it yeah you know i wasn't sure that um i did want to do a pride episode that was just a pride episode or not sure how to approach that so then um i was like we should do you know, great moments in queer Latinx history yeah. or something like that. And um, I think you brought in more uh, things that were germane to the theme. And then I ended up actually just finding a bunch of songs. But 
uh, mess. Uh, yeah, I mean, and well, well, we can like, I mean, you know, something like the cumbia queers thing, even though it didn't necessarily pertain to this incident that happened. Again, it's still a, it's still a great catalyst, and it's a conversation starter, which is ultimately the point of of these episodes. Um, yeah, a lot of these a lot of these songs are like a lot of my songs like they point to. Um, I chose a lot of pioneers, I think, and people who are important, and cumbia queers certainly are that. Absolutely. Um, Ali Guagua is very important. I guess she's not with the band because she's in Mexico City being a business owner. Yeah, no, I mean, she, well, but she still, she still plays all kinds of, she still plays every so often. Like she, uh, there's this party here called uh, Tortilla um, and it's, it's strictly for, uh, well, it's for women, uh, by women, um, uh, uh, queer women, trans women, whatever, femmes. Um, and, and obviously like all sorts of people are welcome at the party, but like that is very much the message uh, of the party. And she will often DJ at that party. Um, so she hasn't left music completely. Um, but I, it's so interesting that... Okay, so she's amazing. She's dope. Ali was cool. Like I, I met her. I like freaked out. I really want to interview her for the show. Um, so, uh, and, and by the way, shout out to... That would be a great Shout episode. out to Kat Donahue, who's the one that told me like all this stuff about La Cañita so you know hey Kat what's good um, but you were talking about hi Kat you were talking about pioneers and up next I mean and, and I think this is definitely one of the one I'm jealous that you met Kat in real life oh, by the way we, we've become great but... friends she's she's become like I'm going through it I need to have a beer who do I message Kat Donahue uh, that is brilliant she is so dope um, okay so yeah you were saying legends important figures um, the, the next song I brought in is by uh, Cavela Vargas Cavela Vargas Chavela Vargas? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so we've played her on the show before, but I wanted to play Paloma Negra because it's one of her most beautiful songs. Mm-hmm. And it's also um, on the Frida Kahlo soundtrack to the, the movie. With, it's, it's on the soundtrack to the movie with um, Salma Hayek. Yes. And um, uh, Chavela Vargas is, she sort of like slides through that movie musically and in other ways, like, She's a presence there, and it's interesting because um, she lived with Frida Kahlo and Diego Rivera for some time, mm-hmm. and um, you know, people sort of people will say, "Oh, you know, it's a rumor that they had a relationship. Maybe they didn't have a relationship." Right. That's that's Frida and Chavela. Um, I recently saw the uh, appearances can be deceiving um, exhibit with um it's Frida Kahlo's paintings and also many of her personal artifacts and things it's sort of an examination of her identity which is of course a very important part of her Mm -hmm. art and you know self-presentation so of course that got into gender and things like that and the exhibit confirms that uh Frida Kahlo definitely had relationships with women um so you know she was let's say bisexual but we don't need to name everything and, you know, she had a very interesting relationship with gender. People love um, the, you know, the images of her with flowers in her hair. Right. But, you know, she also painted herself um, wear, with short hair, wearing men's clothing. Mm-hmm. And um, she loved to emphasize her little bit of a mustache. Yes. And it was, there are, so, you know, the the exhibit is great and sort of like, showing both sides of that and you know how very complex uh her presentation of uh gender and sexuality was especially for that time where like um the idea of being Mm non-binary 
or gender nonconforming were not like concepts that rolled off the tongue at that time. Well, it's it's very and it's then, very interesting that you should mention that because Chavela Vargas is. I mean, that's really what what sort of set her apart uh, in at the beginning of her career. Is just she used to sing you know songs that were for women, and she would never like she wouldn't change the genders, and she dressed in men's clothing, and you know like she she again as as you said like she did a lot of these things that blurred the lines. Like you know even like when she was doing rancheras or something, she wouldn't be up in like in a mariachi. Uh, outfit as is you know like even like someone like Rocio Durcal who was Spanish would still was still prone to do like she would still be in like pants and like you know ponchos and stuff like she was very much about being like I'm masculine deal with it you know and it's so interesting to I, I had never seen uh, like I had known about this the, the well the rumors that they had a romance of Chavela and Frida uh, but I'd never seen that sort of like relation in terms of gender uh, so I, that's really really cool that you should mention that. Yeah, well, um, you know, I I looked into it before this episode, and um, because if if they did have a relationship or whatever their relationship was, whatever the nature of it was, they were certainly very close. And um, Frida's diaries suggest there was an unrequited love, mm-hmm. where actually Chavela was not maybe requiting Frida. Ooh, she was a and G. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? Um, this is, I don't know. I'd love to. Re- and there's a lot in um, Chavela Vargas's uh, memoir about uh, Frida Kahlo. Mm-hmm. So um, I enjoy the mystery, but I, I think that the idea that they were lovers is not so easily dismissed, let's say. It's not just a salacious rumor. Right, right, right. Um, but so let's let's call that the the myst- the mystery of their romance a great moment in queer latinx history awesome um well let's and listen to the beautiful song paloma negra excellent so yeah again this is uh, chavela vargas the song is paloma negra and we'll be right back with more song mess de llorar y no amanece ya no sé si maldecirte o por ti rezar tengo miedo de buscarte y de encontrarte donde me aseguran mis amigos que te vas hay momentos en que quisiera mejor rajarme y arrancarme y a los clavos de mi penar Pero mis ojos se mueren sin mirar tus ojos Y mi cariño con la aurora te vuelve a esperar Y agarraste por tu cuenta la parranda 
paloma negra, paloma negra, ¿dónde, dónde andará? Ya no juegues con mi honra parandera. Si tus caricias han de ser mías de nadie más. Y aunque te amo con locura, ya no vuelvas. Paloma negra, eres la reja de un penar. Quiero ser libre, vivir mi vida con quien yo quiera. Dios, dame fuerza, que me estoy muriendo por irla a buscar. Y agarraste por tu cuenta las parrandas.
Okay, so that was beautiful. Mm-hmm. That song. Um, Richard, this is this is your pick. You you tell us why you brought it in. Who was that? Why did you bring the song? So that uh, we just heard uh, La Bruja de Texcoco. Um, she is um, this very interesting artist that that is that is up uh, like on the up and up uh, here in Mexico City. Uh, she is a trans woman. Um, you know, uh, a bit of a drag performer, um, a curandera, uh, again, a, a, a literal bruja. Um, and she is from Texcoco, which is on the, uh, it's in the El Estado de Mexico. It's, it's right outside the city. It's, it's right outside of Mexico City. The album, the EP is called De Brujas, Peteneras y Chachalacas. Whew, that's a mouthful. Um, and yeah, and it's beautiful. And it's, again, she plays like these beautiful boleros and wapangos. She plays the harp. She plays the violin. She plays the guitar, the charango. I, I mean, she's fucking crazy, stupid, talented. Like her 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 vocals are out of this world. Um, I actually like, I've been hearing about her for a long time and I've like, I'd seen her pop up here and there. Um, and I saw her in the most unexpected of places. I saw her at, at uh, Carnaval de Baidora. Uh, which is this very sort of like boutique, very luxury kind of music festival. I saw her there back in February. And, um, you know, it's just like, it's very like, oh, it's very Coachella. It's very, it's very trying to be like Mexico's Coachella type of thing. And, um, and it, it, she performed in this little stage in the middle of the jungle. It was called like La Cueva or something. And a lot of the main stage performers actually came and did second, more intimate sets back there, like Daimero Sena did. And it was phenomenal. It was like she turned that place into a jazz club. Um, and La Bruja Texcoco, I was just like, suddenly she was on the schedule. And I was like, holy crap. And I ran and I saw her. And like to me, it was like one of the top five things that I saw at the festival. It was just like, it was such a beautiful set. Again, it was just so um, entrancing. Um, you know, emotional. Um, and well, uh, the song we just heard is called Labe Mushe. Um, and again, it makes references to mushes, which are these sort of, um, yeah, again, um, it just it's a, a Mexican gender identity uh, that kind of like, it isn't quite trans, but it's, it's also not quite binary either. Um, so, it, you know, it, it just La Bruja de Texcoco is this very beautiful, incredibly talented, extremely compelling artist that, you know, I feel like everybody uh, should be should be talking about. I don't know. What did you think of the song? Um, <clears throat> I think uh, it's interesting because uh, I, her music certainly is bewitching. <clears throat> so and then, you know, I love that it's traditional music, but that it's not necessarily done from a traditional or like we're going to be folkloric now kind of totally. way. Totally. I don't know. I just think there's a lot that's really profound going on there. So thank you for bringing that in. That was exciting. Yeah. And, and, the, and the reason I wanted to bring her in, the way that I thought it, it fit into the theme, um, there is, uh, I'm not going to say a lot, but suddenly like I feel like I'm aware of a lot of trans musicians in Mexico. Um, so I recently went to the show uh, at 316 Centro, which is a venue owned by the band Victoria. Um, and they, th- this venue is spectacular. Like it's very small. It fits maybe a hundred, 120 people, uh, really great bar. Awesome. Mezcal. Um, and they bring in all these like smaller, weird experimental bands, punk bands, noise bands, whatever. Um, and it's creating this, it's fostering this like really cool experimental, very alternative community of musicians and artists. Um, and so, uh, this, on this day, uh, 
the, uh, there was it was an, uh, a lineup of all trans women. So it was Lu- Luis Almaguer, uh, Semoa, uh, and La Brujeta Excoco did like a little super group where the three of them played together. Um, and they just performed each other's songs, like being each other's band. Um, and then the after party, uh, uh, DJ Guapis, who was one of the, the sort of like the top reggaeton uh, DJs in the city, uh, she performed. Um, and, and my date was Manitas Nerviosas, my friend Balis. Um, and so it was just like, it was so cool being surrounded by all these like you know visibly trans artists who are actually re- you know receiving uh, media and critical recognition um, uh, uh, the other trans artist that I can think of right now in Mexico um, is Gio Bravo um, and I believe he performs Banda uh, I forget uh, where he lives he's a he's a trans man obviously um, and it's somewhere in, a, in, in the north of Mexico um, but yeah but anyway like it, I, I, the, the, that's why that's how I felt that this fit into into theme I just I feel like Again, I don't want to say that there's a ton of trans visibility. I mean, you're probably not going to see a trans person on Televisa anytime soon. But it is really cool to see, like, at least the underground uh, providing safe spaces for, for, you know, for gender nonconforming people to, like, come and express themselves and, you know, and create and present art. Uh. That is cool. And you are seeing more of that in, like, DIY spaces Mm -hmm. and, you know, there are, we're going to get to some of this more later, but, you know, there are also, like... Um, it's, it's not just, uh, LGBTQ people like being allowed to be in spaces. Although I think people are like, people are, people who are not LGBTQ are doing better at like making sure that spaces are safe and inclusive in underground music. But it's also, you know, artists continuing to claim their space and, you know, carve that out and make community for each other. So, you know, and so I love that you're, you know, we're playing like new artists and artists who've been around for 20 years and artists who have passed on because there's that continuity of like creating space. Absolutely. And, you know, even if, you know, in, in the case of like some people like say Chavela Vargas, you're the only one doing it. Yeah. I, oh my God. I mean, yeah. I mean, at that time, if you, if you were being sort of like queer or, or, you know, uh, straying from the norm, I mean, like that could have cost you your, uh, your career. I mean, one of the few exceptions to that rule is, is someone like Juan Gabriel, uh, who we will play later in the show for, for a different reason than, than just being like, he's a fag, you know? Um, but like, you know, like, I, I mean, he was quite groundbreaking when he, like, you know, broke broke out into the scene in the 70s. A lot of people were like, well, we've never seen anything like this in, 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 in pop music and in Mexican pop music and Latin pop music. Um, even in the U.S., like, that wasn't exactly the most common thing. Someone like Little Richard I was one of the few names that, like, comes to mind that was like that. Um, so, um, but anyway, but, like, you know, speaking about visibility, um, you know, and especially of, like, trans people, I want to move to Brazil. So, you know, we just talked about how Mexico, the Mexican underground is, is, is sort of, like, really embracing and welcoming uh, trans and, and gender nonconforming people. Um, in Brazil, uh, it's really interesting because there has been a much more massive uh, level of exposure. Um, so if you think of someone like Pablo Vitar, whom we love, whom we've played on the show a gazillion fucking thousand times, um, you know, like she is, you know, she's a drag queen and she is just, you know, like she's also one of the biggest pop stars uh, in Brazil and or someone like Lineker who, you know, Lineker or, or Linda Quebrada who, again, who are both uh, openly trans and like, you know, they're in very important parts of the music that they create. You know, they have these enormous platforms. Um, 
And so that's true. And then it seems like um, it is really interesting where, you know, music is a space where that's accepted. But in a lot of Brazilian society, it still isn't. Absolutely. It, yeah, it's interesting. And, and especially like now, if you see like if you think of the political situation out there, I mean, they, you know, um, Brazil actually has a, a, a tinge of, of of what's happening in the U.S. where like almost everything now is politicized, um, like almost every aspect of culture is politicized. Um, and and, you know, as well, they have their own Trump now, so it's not necessarily like a tinge. Well, right. But, but again, but as as but as you can see that it comes with its positives and its negatives. Um, and yeah, I mean, they, they you know, um, there's a lot of, as they had a lot of like very liberal things happened. And that of course, as, as we've seen yields a big snap to the other side. And so, yeah, it's, it's definitely something that people are navigating. Um, and, and, but, but yeah, I, 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 you know, uh, Brazil has always had a very interesting, um, uh, approach to gender and sexuality. I mean, people are just much more comfortable with, with sexuality out there, like literally, like actually having a conversation about it. I mean, later on, we're going to talk about Chile and how like, you know, that conservatism, conservatism and, and, and not being able to have these conversations has led to like, you know, an HIV uh, epidemic in, in, in in Chile, uh, where like in Brazil, like people are are you know are much more comfortable talking about these things, and so like it has led to like bigger initiatives on like prevention and education, and you know, and and visibility. I mean, like a lot of like like someone like Elsa Suarez, for example, like on her on her uh, on her album, like Mujer do Fim do Mundo, she was like she was seventy nine and writing songs about like sex workers and travestis, you know, um, which is something that is so rarely done um and so well anyway so the point is that like there are there is tremendous visibility right now for queer and trans uh femmes um and i'm actually working on a story about that because like i i find again like i have like at least 10 artists that come to mind right off the bat uh as i mentioned linda quebrada lineker pablo vitar uh we're going to listen to a song by gloria groove who is this very very talented drag queen who is just making incredible pop music um and then there's others like leah clark mc trans you know so the point is there is just a bevy uh, of femme talent exploding out of Brazil. Um, and yeah, and I think this is a good uh, place to listen to uh, Gloria Groove. Um, her song is called Coisa Boa. Uh, it just means good good stuff or good things. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a fucking bop. <laughs> I'm stoked to listen because, um, you know, drag queens, you know, becoming like a going concern in pop music is sort of its own separate thing. Totally. Where, um, you know, and that's also happening in the U.S. We've got Trixie Mattel making moves. Right. You know, or Aja. all of that. I think that, like, yeah, this, so, like, and it's, so it's sort of, um, I think it could go beyond being a novelty, if it, especially if that's a thing that's happening in Brazil as well. Well, I mean, you know, Pablo Vitar, you know, performing at, at, at Ceremonia, like, I mean, Pablo Vitar performs at Carnaval, like, every year, and, like, she'll play for, like, a million people. It's fucking nuts. You know, but then, like, being booked outside of Brazil, like, she just did a big South American tour, and, like, she mostly plays in, like, queer sp in queer spaces, and it was really cool to see her at, at Festival Ceremonia, uh, even though, I you know, I think she was robbed of a proper 
slot. I think she would have, should have been much later in the day. People like I like a ton of people who are not like. I mean, she's big. She's huge, but 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 the point is like a bunch of people who aren't like just vapid gays. You know, were like, wow, no, that was phenomenal. She's an incredible performer. The songs are great. The production is dope. You know, she didn't need a single instrument on that stage. They just you know pressed play on the track, and then she came out and like wowed everyone with her fucking dancers. It was like it was like watching Lady Gaga, but like with a small crowd. Um, and yeah, I mean, that, and talent is talent as talent is talent. Um, and, and I interviewed Aja actually almost a year ago, uh, today. And, um, you know, she's been making like these, like, you know, really intense raps and stuff. And she was like, you know, there's this idea that drag queen music is just about like lip gloss and hair. And even though that is a valid form of artistic expression, you know, there are drag queens who are looking to do more of the conventional stuff like not just you know campy funny tracks um again someone like trixie mattel as you as you said like you know a drag queen out here making like country music like what you know (laughs) um it's happening yes it's happening and it's good and it's good well well let's listen to gloria okay so again this is gloria groove the song is koi zaboa and we'll be right back with more mess Convoquei as amiguinha e tu sabe que ela vem Vem da base, vem do vale, deixa de se ver também Sabe que a cachorrada tá fechada com a gente Não dá pra ficar parada nesse beat envolvente Tá pronta pra pista Se joga na vida Que é papo de ousadia Coisa boa, mundo se acabando e a gente manda nessa porra Se mexer comigo vai mexer com a tropa toda Tamo preparada, pode vir que é coisa boa Que coisa boa, mundo se acabando e a gente manda nessa porra Se mexer comigo vai mexer com a tropa toda Tamo preparada, pode vir que é coisa boa Passando a visão do bailão, a quebrada ela pira, ela arrasta Joga na cara, arrebita no beat, arrebata os canais Ela é zica, é a brisa, tipo festa, é revisa Sem limite, no meu visa, pesadona, tipo Isa Consumida em qualquer esquina, é a dona do cartel da rima Ela chega mudando o clima, ela sabe jogar fina Tu achou que nós ia sumir, achou que nós não ia nem vir O mundo se acabando, nós tumultuando, mandando em tudo por aqui yeah. Tá pronta pra pista, se joga na vida que é papo de ousadia Ai, que coisa boa Mundo se acabando e a gente manda nessa porra Se mexer comigo vai mexer com a tropa toda Tamo preparada, pode vir que é coisa boa Ai, que coisa boa Mundo se acabando e a gente manda nessa porra Se mexer comigo vai mexer com a tropa toda Tamo preparada, pode vir que é coisa boa
Um, so, you know, we're back and we're feeding, feeling pride, a deep love. Um, and uh, we just uh, heard a song by False Witness. Well, this is really a track. It's not a song. It's a track uh, by False Witness. And it's called Los Sures, um, the South Side. Uh, and you brought this in, Bev. Uh, what, I, 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 is False Witness queer? Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Oh, cool. Um, this song, uh, Los Sures, The South Side, is actually available on um, a compilation from the group um, Gays Hate Techno. Lol. Or like the, uh, the uh, what, what would you call it? A collective called Gays Hate Techno. So this is off of uh, or available on Bandcamp on Gays Hate Techno number three. Okay. <laughs> um, and... So, yes, False Witness is a DJ and producer um, who is gay and Latino and um, also really talented and really interesting guy. I interviewed him last year Mm -hmm. um, at the uh, one year anniversary of a club here called Mood Ring, which is very um, it's in Bushwick. It's very uh, queer friendly. Cool. Um, in fact, it's it's more queer friendly than it is straight friendly. I would say if it's not officially like a gay club. But yeah, um, where, do you know uh, his his ethnicity or like where he's from? Um, you know what? I don't remember okay. to be honest. That's fine. I, I often get him uh, confused with Infinite Scroll. Like the, just for some reason, like I don't because I, I don't really listen to much of this like electronic club music like that. So like I, I for but I I've seen them on the same bill so many times that like in my brain like one one gets subbed for the other all the time. Ah, um. uh, yeah, it it happens. Um, well, I I can tell you he splits his time between New York and Los Angeles now, oh, and wow. his career is going great. Work um, up to all kinds of things, and I really love that track. Not just because um, I live in Los Sures in um, <laughs> Brooklyn, yeah. uh, but like I also feel like he calls the song. Um, he describes it as an exercise in heartbreak inside the metropolis. And I don't know, I feel slightly called out by that as a white gentrifier. Um, if anyone, I, I'm willing to leave my neighborhood if anyone wants to give me a cheap place to live someplace else. Um, just volunteering. I wanted you to talk about a little bit of why you brought the what why you brought this track in for for the theme, because I actually really liked uh, your your take on on this track within the theme. So, uh, you know, but that aside, uh, I actually really like his stuff. It's very smart. It's techno, but it draws on a lot of his other interests, like, um, <laughs> you know, like Jersey Club and like other like um, sort of like regional uh, styles of dance music. Mm-hmm. He told me when we talked that that was a real like passion and interest of his. And he loves that because of the emotional content of these songs like they're meant to literally move you Mm. and figuratively move you and so he you know so there's a lot of feeling in his music so um i found out about him when i was researching another story but now you could say i'm a fan Mm -hmm. and um you know and then it's interesting that it's on this compilation uh because you know he's he's part of um you know well he's part of you know the like the uh, the music the the techno underground now and the electronic music underground which like very much is a burgeoning thing here in brooklyn um there's like a club mile in uh bushwick now that is crazy and um 
you know, there's just a lot of collectives also and people within that, like all over the country, all over the world um, in Mexico City as well, like, you know, working to, you know, maintain the space for queer people and people of color in electronic music mm-hmm. because, you know, if they if they don't fight for that space, and they don't claim that space, they get edged out by straight white men. Yep. Um, because that's what happens with everything. Um, and so, you know, it's a it's a beautiful thing to be in a place like Mood Ring and, um, you know, or to see all the work that Disc Woman is doing and um, or parties here like Poppy Juice, which with um, Oscar Enye. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I com- I completely agree. And again, like the, the club has always been such a. Uh, a, a, a safe space to, to use an overused term, you know, um, for, for queer and, you know, for queer individuals. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, cause I, I kind of wanted to like bring a reference to ballroom. Um, and, and we did that with the last episode, uh, but like, you know, that's why I felt like this track really worked for that because at the end of the day, it's still about, you know, it's again, it's about all these people that aren't just being, you know, out and proud or whatever. It's about also like people that are fostering these spaces for other people to be able to do that. Um, and yeah, as you said, like Papi Juice and like, you know, the disc woman parties, you know, are a huge, huge part of that. Uh, Traicion in Mexico is huge with that. Um, you know, and, and yeah. And so ballroom was, was a big place for that for a very, very long time. Um, so yeah, I, I really, really, really appreciate it. And now it's on primetime television. Bloop, bloopity bloop. And again, and yes. And then that becomes a question, as you said, like, you know, like with like straight white men edging out a lot of the queers, you know, I mean, that's also happening in the crowds. Uh, there's been, you know, I, I, there's, Mm. there's definitely a conversation happening, um, not very elegantly, I should say, uh, about, you know, like how should queer spaces handle straight folks coming? I mean, we've always had the best music. We've always had the best fashions. We've always had the best drugs, you know? And so like, we get it that you want to come through, but also like, you know, one of my favorite club in the city, which is, uh, in Mexico city, I should say it's called La Purisima. It's hella fun. It's ratchet. It's f- ridiculous. It's so cheap. Um, oh, that's the other thing. Queer spaces are always so much cheaper than straight ones. You know, um, and it's just like, but it's mostly like, like you just run around and like, you just see like all these straight couples like making out or like random straight dudes, you know, preying on like the girlfriends of the gays that they're, they're like accompanying, you know? And so it's just like, huh? Like, it's cool. I mean, like we're supposed to be inclusive, but at the same time, it's it's like, like, yikes, you know, there needs to be, I think there does need to be a discussion about like etiquette at the very least. And, like, I don't know, an awareness of the fact that it's sort of like, well, it's great. Like, you can, like, straight people can come to this gay club and it's inclusive. But, like, um, other clubs are not inclusive of gay people. They don't have any place else to go. If, like, you know, so it's sort of, I think people do need to be aware. Um, At the same time, like, I don't know, the culture just has to be right. And, um, (laughs) like, you know, because, like, in the 1970s, like, there were parties that were like very much just for gay men. Right. Um, and they could be very exclusive. And there's a very interesting like history there. Oh, they if still you exist. read um, Love Saves the Day. Mm-hmm. Oh, of course. Um, but that sort of started in the 70s. But, you know, like during disco, one of the great things was it's, you know, according to legend, I wasn't there. But, you know, everyone was dancing together. Right. And nobody cared. Mm-hmm. And everything was great. And that would be a beautiful thing that we could have. So what you have to do is 
eradicate straight white culture and then everyone can have fun together. I mean, I, I would agree with you, but again, plenty of POC people fall into these tropes as well. Um, I, I mean, I, you know, and, and it's, it's, about, it's about conversations, it's about etiquette. I mean, like, it's, you know, it's not just straight white men. It's, you know, plenty of people, like, we all share the burden because the thing is, on the queer side, you know, this, this you know, um, calling for respect of our spaces often translates to misogyny. You know, where it's just like, oh, like, uh, yeah. don't bring your fucking bachelorette parties here, which, yes, I would actually prefer that. But like, that's not to say that women <laughs> are not welcome here, you know, you know, like, I think it depends on the tone of voice in which you say that. Totally. But also like, <laughs> like, for example, like I actually just this week had a, a had a great conversation with Kat Donahue about this, about like how like many like fetish spaces and especially particularly leather bars are like sort of like dying because like there's this sort of strict no women policy. Um, you know, in many, not not in all, because she's from San Francisco, and she's like, I've never seen that until I came here. You know, um, but like in New York, that's not unheard of, and like in Europe, that's not unheard of. Um, you know, and and about the, you know, like there, it's it's a tricky place because there is something about like you know these these as many of these establishments or parties are perpetrating you know some sort of of uh, fantasy. You know, but at the same time, it's just like exclusion is not okay. So it's like, it's, it's, it's a complex conversation. I feel like most people just tend to like immediately hear, you know, one thing and just snap hella crazy. Like, you know, uh, you know, I, I keep trying to remind people that, you know, Twitter reality is not like reality reality. Um, hmm. But like, well, you know, if it's like, difficult. If like certain clubs or spaces are closing <laughs> due to lack of interest, essentially, then Maybe that's okay because there'll be a new generation that is into something else. You but know? again, that that dis, that's dismissive of like a you know generation's worth of like you know tradition and cultural her heritage. I mean, like it, it, you know we can't pretend, for example, like leather culture is not an is not a part of queer culture, you know. And oh, absolutely not. But like, is it a part of like are like young kids into that? Yes, I mean, like someone like Tomasa El Real and all of her acolytes are all dressed in fucking harnesses and latex, you know. I guess that well, okay, latex is different though. I mean, but it all comes from fetish circles, you know. Like every okay, like everybody no, I mean, has I'm a not, harness now, you know. Um, oh, that's true, and like that's which when you think about it is very appropriative. Yeah, exactly, and like I have I have harnesses because I like to me it's the it's it's the queer handcraft, you know. Like it, you you can't get this at a factory. Like it has to be a, like a local artisan that makes that, um, and that's really cool. Um, you know, and again, like it, it, there's so many layers of this again, it's just like, I'm not sitting here like excusing misogyny, but like, I'm also trying to say like, it's just a, it's a little bit more complex than, than, you know. Oh yeah. Like I mean, that hot, is, that is, I think that is like, um, complicated because it's like, you know, um, I've been aware for a very long time that there are gay bars that I can hang out in and there are gay bars that like, it would be weird if I was hanging out in them. Sure. Um, if I was even allowed in and. That's always seemed fine and normal to me. Yeah, I mean, yes, but uh, yeah, yes, but 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 not to everyone. And 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 again, I'm not trying to ascribe a value to that. But it's just like, for example, like it becomes a very slippery slope. Like I, I wrote about these parties in Dominican Republic uh, last year uh, called Draguealo and Cocoro del Futuro, um, and they're very much about you know, like they they were born out of a response of like you know, many gay bars do not allow women, even if they're queer women, they or, or trans women, they're not allowed in these spaces. No fit 
no like no no feminine energy in these spaces and then there's many like lesbian bars well not many but like the lesbian bars that exist because let's be real that's all they're always going to be in them they're always in the minority for some reason um you know they don't allow any men in and so it would leave a lot of like feminine people a lot of like you know gender non-conforming or non-binary people kind of like in this weird middle where they couldn't find an establishment to hang out at, you know? And so like, and mind you, these are queers restricting other queers and trans folks. So it's just like, oh, you know? So it's like, it's not just about like the oppressors. It's like, how are we as a, as an oppressed community oppressing each other? Um, and, and again, it's an intri- intricate conversation that we're not going to fully, uh, you know, uh, dismember or dismantle, uh, in, no, not right now, (laughs) but this, it is, it is a very interesting conversation. That's for sure. Well, you know, and, and let's go from misogyny to like straight up the baddest bitches in the game. Um, cause you got, you brought in a song by Nina Dios. That's literally about her, like macking on girls, like, like, and there's something about how, how like she raps a song that's so sexy. Like this, it's just like, I was like, damn. No, she like, is. You like, got it like um, that Me girl? and Isabella have talked about this <laughs> where it's just like, uh, you know, like I go to her, like, like I've gone, I've gone to her shows and been like, I think I'm pregnant now. Work. <laughs> um, so she's, she's always had that energy. So it's always been kind of obvious, but it's only recently that she's been very open about, you know, the fact that she is a lesbian. Yes. Which one reason, you know, I want to bring this in and like tried to bring in a lot of artists who are definitely just plain lesbians is because I feel like in terms of like queer community, like um, excluding people or being prejudiced, like lesbians have been getting a bad rap. And then if you point that out, like people come down on you pretty hard sometimes. Mm. So it's like. The B in LGBTQ gets left out sometimes. Um, I feel like uh, trans men don't get enough love and representation, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, And then just like, you know, being just being a lesbian is there's something I don't know, for some reason that's like become uncool or like there's been a lot of stereotypes that like if you're a lesbian, you're like an old like turf or something yeah and which you know not true and some people just are lesbians and they can't help that and that's the entire point of like pride is like be proud of who you are because like for one thing we don't get to pick totally that um yes uh let's let's go ahead and listen to that now again this is niña dios the track is called selena uh and we'll and like just one thing about that Mm. is that like uh it's very cool um like this song is, uh, yeah, she's just talking about like how she wants to meet a girl who looks like Selena. And uh, I thought that that was important to explain. That's why it's called Selena. Work. Okay. So we'll be right back with more mess. Sutil, cerrando deals For el Mexican dream de ganar en Benjamins. Benjamins 
A veces soy bajo perfil Para que no sepan que voy por todo el motín Traigo diferentes cortes en un maletín Tinta, pasaporte y ropa de deporte Así, así me gusta a mí Siempre con estilo aunque haya solo pa' vivir Me gusta compartir, repartir versos pa' ti No compitas conmigo si no traen todo el kit Fumo caviar, nunca de regular En California, contemplando el mar Como brisa fresca, futurista, flow Si tú buscas aventura, mami, let's go Busco una chica latina, como Selena De México, Argentina, pura gasolina Tiene ese biri biri bam bam que me fascina No se me quita de encima Busco una chica latina como Selena De México, Argentina, pura gasolina Tiene ese biri biri bam bam que me fascina No se me quita de encima Busco esa sonrisa que sin prisa irradie Después de este show me voy back back to Cali Quiero ver contigo atardecer en Cali En las playas de Cali, fumando lo de Cali No ocupas sugar daddy porque haces tu propio money Es lo que me gusta de ti como tú, nobody Ven shorty y callemos everybody Hey shorty cuando nos vean salir de party Eres brisa fresca futurista, flow Si tú buscas aventura mami, let's go, let's go Futurista flow, si tú buscas aventura mami, let's go Busco una chica latina como Selena De México, Argentina, pura gasolina Tiene ese biri biri bam bam que me fascina No se me quita de encima Busco una chica latina como Selena De México, Argentina, pura gasolina Tiene ese biri biri bam bam que me fascina No se me quita de encima
right. So the second song that we just heard there is by another one of the baddiest baddies in the game to ever play the game. Uh, it's Rita Indiana. Uh, and this song is called Bajito a Selva. Uh, and I'm actually like really excited to bring this in because I feel like, you know, people tend to like dwell on some of her better known songs uh, like La Hora de Volver or like Blue de Ping Pong or whatever. And a lot of the deep cuts um, kind of get left in, you know, just the deep cuts is really to me where the good stuff is because like you know Rita Indiana is a novelist and a poet and I feel like that's where her her more beautiful writing is 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 in like the less lesser known songs and so Bajito Selva is from her album El Juidero um and it really is just sort of like I mean so Bajito Selva kind of um kind of translates because it's always very hard to to, to translate Dominican slang but it's it's roughly to like you know uh kind of a jungle smell um, and it's of course referring to a certain kind of, of uh, gendered musk, if you will. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, aha! Uh-huh. And um, yeah, and she's basically singing about like you know this big bootied woman who is just like the sex, and she is trying to get it. Um, and and yeah, and again, like I, I again, like I, we you know, we just talked about how Nina Dios has always been unabashed about like about her like you know sexual identity and 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 who she is and like you know. Well, in the way she presents herself, but for a long time she wasn't really out. Oh, she wasn't talking. Oh, really? Because as fu- as fu- as long as I've known about her, I've always known that she was gay. Oh, everyone's known. Mm, but she never really discussed it. Yes. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Well, Rita Indiana discussed it, man. Um, <laughs> um, you know, and one of the so you know one of the the these whole things of like you know great moments in 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 queer Latinx or Latin American history. Um, you know, Rita Indiana, I remember uh, she went to Los Premios Cassandra in Dominican Republic, which are like, it's like the biggest sort of entertainment award show out there. And this is in 2010. And she showed up in this. Uh, very androgynous outfit. It was like a whole ruffled like pantsuit situation. No, it was more like a jumpsuit. And and she was accompanied by like her partner. And and so like in DR, you know, like obviously people know that queers exist, but and like and people knew the tea about you know uh, Rita Indiana, but it, it wasn't really a conversation that was ever o- really openly had, um, and let alone to like just see it straight up like on the on the red carpet and like on camera you know um in in like a super unapologetic way so i you know i remember i re- like you know because I, I grew up in dr and even though i wasn't living there anymore at that at, in 2010 like i still remember like the ripple effect i was i was living in south america and i remember like my social media was ablaze um so so yeah so i i just think that's really cool so rita indiana broke the internet that one time. yeah she really did she really did and and you know and she was like yeah, this is my my girl. What <laughs> you know, like you know, it's just so matter of fact. Legendary, like, so legend, so legendary. No, so yeah, I I I you know, I feel like you know, Rita Indiana is you know, she's often credited, I think, with sort of like kicking off this modern age of of indie uh, that like you know embraces tradition and but also thrusts it into the future. Um, and and yeah, and then she disappeared. Well, and but I and I love that like at every end of her story, she's been. In control that is her decision she's like i'm not coming back for nobody's amount of money you know she's like i'm gonna write she lives in puerto rico I actually just inter- interviewed uh lisbeth roman uh this this interview will come out much much later uh sometime probably in july or august um but um 
but yeah, she was talking about like how she lives in Puerto Rico now and she'll often see her like walking down the street and she's like, Oh my God, you're incredible. You know? <laughs> um, but yeah, but anyway, it's really, really cool. Um, I want to move on. Um, you know, we, we were talking about visibility and, and some, the Chile, uh, is really interesting when it comes to visibility because it's, it, you know, in the, in the indie boom that, that, it, you know, came out of Chile, like in the last decade, you know, some of the higher profile names are queer, um, you know, of the trifecta, which is like Alex Amanter, Javier Amena and Jepe, only Jepe is straight as far as we know, you know, I don't know his tea like that, you know, but, um, and then you start to think about like someone like Franz Traube, like with Miss Garrison, with Rubio, you think about Namuel, you think about Entropica, and then you're like, oh crap, you think about Playa Gotica, you know, it's just, yeah, me amo Sebastian. Exactly. So it's just like, you're like, crap, like, it, it, you know, for a long time, like, I, I almost felt like, like I was in a bubble because people would be like, oh, who's cool from Chile? And I could only name queers. And I was like, wait, am I like, is this just like an echo chamber that I'm in? Um, no, that's, that's it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, there, there are other bands, of course, but, and, and I think that what makes them so interesting is, is, is the fact that Chile is such a conservative place, even now as it's, you know, like, like economically it's, you know, super strong. I mean, it's the richest country in Latin America right now. Um, and, you know, like, there's a lot of things that have contributed to the very uh, conservative mentality of, of the society. Uh, this is actually a story also that I'm working on. Um, and it's basically like geography, for example, the fact that they're so fucking far, I mean, and even with their neighboring countries, they have like desert to the north, a mountain range to the east, and like ice to the south, and like an ocean to the west. And so it's just like they've always been an island, even though they are technically inland. Um, and so like this has like kept them from like interacting with much of the world, just the fact that like as a country, it's so remote, so far away from like say Europe or even like other parts of like Latin America, like Brazil or Mexico or the US or what have you. Um, and, and again, and then religion pay, plays a huge part. Um, uh, Chile has the lowest percent of Catholics uh, in Latin America, um, which is still like 70%. But for, for a Latin American country, that's huge. You know, they have a huge percentages of evangelicals, of Mormons, of even Opus Dei. Um, and so like, you know, like often when it, when there's a rich gay, people will often even refer to them as like opus gay. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's just like this, you know, these are usually the people in power are the, are the, the are the evangelicals and the opus day people. And so this leads to, you know, little to no, uh, uh, sex ed. Uh, which has led to like tremendous rates of like teen pregnancy, uh, tremendous like there is technic like the infection rate, uh, the HIV infection rate in Chile right now is considered an epidemic, um, and and like though people like yeah when the infection rate is dropping in other places oh totally. many many other places yeah totally so that's terrible but yeah I guess like um even like being an island or being you know surrounded by water you're actually going to have um more exposure to like other cultures mm -hmm. and like people from outside your society than if you have than if than if you have a desert and a mountain range yeah then you have like the history of totalitarianism yes and you have um a lot of conservative religion that is a 
perfect storm for social control. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I yeah, that is a that is a fascist dream. I didn't even talk about Pinochet and, and the regime and all that jazz. So like, that's why like it's been thawing. You know, Chilean culture has been thawing since about 1990. So like, when I lived there, like you know, which was in 2010, 2011. Um, it, you know, it was just starting to take off. I mean, right now people are like, oh, when you come to Chile, like you're not even going to recognize shit. Like it's just fucking crazy different because it, it's just been exponential. Um, and so like culturally, you know, there's been a, a, it's been a lot of pushback towards this conservatism. Um, and, and so all that is to or pushback against the conservatism. Oh, absolutely. And uh, like so, Good. so okay. much, so much of this music is political. Even someone like Javier Amena who makes pretty like, accessible pop music like you can still feel the subversion in her music i mean something like the video for espada which is just so sapphic mm-hmm. um and like funny and you know or like alex amanter who is out here like making like straight up like political like ending these girls politically just being like you know you you say that i'm sick but like fucking burn the church burn the congress fuck that you know uh, um no and it's like so it's it's really amazing because um a lot of it came home to me when I interviewed him, um, Alex Anwanter, because, you know, the scene is, it is, we think it's like, oh, there's like all this, um, like this awesome, amazing, like queer underground, but not underground, like indie scene. And, you know, from his end or from like any of their ends, it's, they're actually like, they feel embattled and isolated and like just sort of toughing things out. And really, really fighting against the culture that they're surrounded by. Absolutely. And, you know, with this, like, really adorable indie pop. So it's, I don't know, I think it's one of the most, the greatest music stories ever told. Absolutely. Um, and and so I wanted to bring some, uh, an artist uh, to reflect that, an artist uh, that we, you know, even though we've brought this artist before, I wanted to bring someone in who... Um, you know, is using their platform, but maybe a bit differently. Um, so I brought in Namuel. Namuel has always been, you know, unabashedly femme. And like, you know, like his his videos are like very sexual, but like never, it never feels gratuitous. It always feels like there's a greater uh, story being told. Um, and so this is his latest uh, single. It's called Cascabel, uh, which is like a rattle. Um, and it's and it's a, kind of a confessional. Uh, I mean, a lot of his music lately has been very sad, very down tempo, very minimal, very like skeletal, even like super, super, super stripped down. Um, and this song is about his ongoing battle with anorexia um, that he has been very open about um, on, on his social media. And like, you know, it I mean, it's nearly killed him. I mean, that's that's just fact. Um, and, and so like, I, you know, I, I actually like, I consider Namuel a friend cause we, we, you know, we've spoken extensively over the years and, um, I, I just think he's tremendously brave. Um, again, you know, being femme in a very conservative society is already, uh, very brave. Uh, I know that his family is very conservative and not a big fan of a lot of uh, the ways in which he expresses himself. Um, and he still lives with them and, um, and yeah, and again, talking about, you know, eating disorders is, you know, crazy personal because like it's not just like a matter of identity, like literally your life is on the line. Um, and so I, I, I appreciate him terribly. And I, I, I just want to share the song with you all. It's called Cascabel. And um, I'm, I'm stoked on this because uh, he's part of the young generation. Absolutely. So it's, you know, they're not it's not going away. <laughs> 
All right, again, this is Namuel, the track is Cascabel, and we'll be right back with more uh, Messy Pride situations.
All right. Um, I don't know if this is something that we want to include, but um, one thing that I'm thinking of, you know, in terms of this episode is uh, how many of the artists that um, we've talked about and how many of the artists that we're playing um, really struggle with a lot of things and have been open about the things that they struggle about. Mm -hmm. And I feel that in the LGBTQ community, that is very, very important. Um, you know, and it's, it's sort of, it's sort of an unfortunate through line where like, you know, people struggle with things like substance abuse and people, um, struggle with, uh, mental illnesses like anorexia, you know, like other different kinds of mental illness. And, you know, these are important things to talk about in terms of the community and in terms of access to, um, good care and good mental health care and medical care, you know, um, Chavela Vargas, uh, you know, had a terrible battle with alcoholism. Yes. And, you know, and another thing that I really, really respect Nina Dios for is, you know, with her recent album is, you know, not just coming out, but also being willing to talk about her struggle with alcoholism and, you know, so that that album is really about survival in so many ways. And so, you know, these things like talking about these things, being open about these issues is, you know, I think such a huge and important thing to talk about um, during Pride. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about the song that we just heard? Um, so this is Girl in a Coma. Mm-hmm. Uh, the song is Vencerca. And we're changing the subject a little bit here. Um, this is just another, another group that I consider to be very pioneering, um, you know, very important. Uh, it's a trio from San Antonio and, uh, they started up in 2006 and they only broke up last year. So, um, hats off to you, girl in a coma. (laughs) And so, um, so two of the members are lesbians, um, and one is the, um, one is not. So there's uh, the younger sister, Nina Diaz, is um, she's the singer and the guitar player. And I, I do not believe she's a lesbian, um, but uh, her sister, Fanny Diaz, um, who's her older sister, and Jen Alva, um, who is the bassist, they are. And they have been really, like, um, huge in terms of, like, representation as amazing um just gay chicana icons yeah yeah yeah. the band is not that well known but they have one of those like diehard fan bases and you know several albums really great rock and roll and um the song we heard vencerca Mm -hmm. uh not all their songs are in spanish but some and um so that's from their 2009 album trio bc and that was the era when I was writing about them okay. a lot. And, you know, I've, I've interviewed them. And I don't know, just they're a very, very interesting band. Important to know. Um, they were signed to Joan Jett's Blackheart Records. Oh, work. Um, after that she I didn't caught know. them. What? Yeah. And so, you know, they were, they were pretty tight with Joan Jett. And um, I don't know. Another fun fact, uh, the song refers to the, the their their band name is a 
refers to the the uh, Smith song "Girlfriend in a Coma" mm-hmm. because, of course, they are huge Smiths and Morrissey fans. Well, and that particular song has to do with domestic abuse. So, whoops. Um, yeah, I'm sure. I'm so, sure that wasn't lost on them. <laughs> no, so they're very interesting band. Yes, absolutely. Um, and and I, and I love this idea of um, well, not love, but like it's so interesting that you bring up this idea of struggle um, in in for you know LGBT folk. Um, because it is such an inherent part of of our identity. I mean, I have uh, uh, you know, I I, I have a, an, a friend who is kind of starting to grapple with that. Um, lived as you know, uh, straight most of uh, their life, and you know, suddenly they're in a queer relationship, and you know, learning the the hurdles of like you know, not just like oh like you know, it's different. It's more like, oh shit, you know, perception and navigating the world. And, you know, again, like this, you know, it's such a, it's such a a part of our identity. I mean, you know, and it's been such a learning experience for me, you know, um, uh, talking to this friend because it, it's, it puts me in a situation of examining, re-examining really my own experiences. Like, I mean, you know, I, I, I've been called a fag since I can remember. Like I, I just, the first time I remember getting called a fag, I was like, I think like five, like in, 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 in school, you know, it's just like, what? And, and yeah, again, it's, it's, it's an ongoing, uh, part of our identity, um, that's dehumanizing. Um, and I don't know it, it, and, and, and we often live in fear. Um, and, and again, I, I don't know, I, I guess I, I, I bring all this up as, as sort of as preamble to your, um, to your next pick, uh, which is by Los Crudos. Um, and it talks about immigration, which is a, a very, um, I mean, it's a very difficult, uh, road to walk for, for a lot of like, uh, LGBT, uh, migrants. And even though so many are seeking asylum specifically because they are LGBTQ. Isn't that something? Isn't that like the, the joke of life? <laughs> um, Indeed. So it's sort of, that's, that's one reason why I decided that I wanted to bring in a Los Crudos song. Um, Martin Sarandagai is, um, <clears throat> you know, as the singer of Los Crudos and of Limp Wrist, and a bunch of bands and with his record label Lengua Armada is just he's just been a one man revolution since the early 90s and um this song from his band Los Crudos uh, a hardcore band from Chicago is I you know I'm probably an asshole for calling him Martin it's probably just Martin but I really don't know um but anyway it's uh the song is Migra Violenta mm-hmm. and yeah so it's you know, it's a song about the abuse of immigrants by immigration cops, um, by their, and it's it's a song about that violence. Yeah. And um, I wanted to bring it in because immigration is an LGBTQ issue. Absolutely. Um, you know, because you know there are gay and trans people trying to come to the U.S. and you know seeking asylum all over the world and from all over the world, like looking for some kind of safety, and. In the case of the United States, um, people have come here uh, and they have found not safety. Yeah. Um, Roxana Hernandez uh, is a trans woman who died in ICE custody last year. Yep. Um, 
she was seeking asylum and she died because she was denied adequate um, food and water and medical attention. But an independent autopsy has shown that she was also beaten in custody. So um, I don't know who these monsters are that run ICE, but that is why it should be abolished. Indeed, they're called Americans. Um, and before we move on to uh, the next song, I just want to uh, let people know, actually, I saw this today and, and I thought it would be really interesting to mention, um, since we're going to play Los Crudos, uh, Limp Wrist is actually celebrating their 20th anniversary uh, in on August 3rd. This is going to be a show in L.A. Like I just saw Rudy Blue, who um, is a big event producer out in L.A. He announced it and he's helping to, to produce this show. Um, and again, so Limp Wrist will be playing. Uh, there will also be... Uh, uh, provoke Frisco Dykes, uh, Twomp Sacks, and Heterophobia, uh, which is actually one of the bands that we considered uh, uh, to play on the show today, um, didn't because because they have a pretty new album. Yeah, and actually that's their their it's their debut full length. Oh really? I, I mean, I, I've seen a I've, I've seen some stuff from them. I didn't. Oh no, I'm thinking of Crema. Oh yes. no, they've got an EP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but but yeah, Heterophobia, uh, another great band. Um, again, we just had an embarrassment of riches <laughs> for today's uh, playlist. But again, oh yes, if you because uh, shout out to Elves, another punk queer elder mm-hmm. that uh, we almost played. But yeah, no, um, Limbrist is they're on tour. They're playing here soon. I'm very excited. Yeah, and they don't. Play, I, and they I don't, might finally see them this time. They don't play live very often. And I actually was so fortunate to see them in L.A. Uh, last year so and it was a phenomenal show like I saw a drag queen you know dive from the stage into the mosh pit so um hi- see and that is that is what <laughs> punk should be that's the content I'm here for um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but let's go ahead and listen to that now again this is Los Crudos the track is called Migra Violenta uh, and we'll be right back uh, to wrap up this beautiful messy pride episode <laughs>
So the uh, second song we just heard there is by Mecano. Uh, it's called El Fallo Positivo, and the song is from 1991. And um, I really wanted to bring this song in uh, because it intersects two uh, items that I wanted to highlight uh, on this episode. First, I wanted to I wanted to bring something by la, uh, from La, uh, la Movida uh, Madrileña, um, which it, it, it you know it, it's one of these again cultural moments of like rebellion and subversion uh, that happened right after the the, the Franco dictatorship fell um, and so like queers were very much at the forefront of this uh, someone like uh, Almodovar and his films are a great example of of the time and obviously like of queer artists at work um, or like if you think of like Alaska Dinarama you know uh, Alaska herself is not queer but like I believe the other members of the band uh, Carlos Berlanga and I forget the other uh, guy's name I believe they were queer. Um, but the, you know, and the other thing that I wanted to highlight, obviously, is... So for anyone anyone at home who doesn't know, this this was like Spain's uh, punk, post-punk explosion. Yes. And, it, and but, just, just throwing that out there. We've mentioned it on the show before, but... And so much of it was laced with comedy and, and theatrics and like gender expression and sexuality. And, you know, it, again, it, it wasn't it wasn't just like, you know, like I feel like British punk was very serious. This was funny and it was fashionable and it was weird and it was kooky and it was just like it was very satirical. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to to highlight, uh, again, you can't have a Pride episode and not talk about uh, the AIDS crisis. I mean, it's just it's something that you know, it's, it's an indelible part of, of queer history at this point, because so many of our, you know, LGBT siblings and, you know, plenty of like non-queers also have been affected by this. Um, you know, millions have died. Um, and not just, you know, in, in, in the U S or Europe that like, you know, give these, give these, um, 
these, you know, subjects like a major visible platform. I mean, like literally all over the world. Um, and so, uh, el, el fallo, I like, el, I, I think I even brought a song last year by, well, last, the last time we did a proud episode, I believe it was by Me Llamo Sebastian. It's called Punto Negro. Um, and that is a more, um, sort of like metaphorical reference to that. Um, but this is very direct. It's, it's very direct talking about viruses and diagnoses and, um, and like people, uh, dying um and and again wow. i just i feel like culturally right now and like I, I guess one of the reasons this really is speaking to me right now like talking about aids and and hiv and aids and 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 like testing and awareness and stuff like that um is because like i am noticing queer culture and entering a serious mainstreaming um not just like where like everybody is now like queer for their art but has never touched a dick you know, or whatever. Um, and it's just like, cool. Um, you know, but like, you don't get to like reap whatever critical rewards, I suppose, without, you know, walking in our shoes. Um, and like, even, even within, you know, the queers, specifically the gays, I feel like there's a lot of like, uh, a lot of fetishizing of like this seventies and eighties queer aesthetics. Um, and sort of like queer motifs, like something as like something like like leather stuff. Like it, it, like there's the traditional sort of like, you know, leather wear and leather bars and leather spaces or whatever. And then there's a lot of people who are just like doing it, like you know, oh, it's just like a nostalgic. It's like it's a reference, you know. And it's just like great. But are you talking like you, you know, all this stuff didn't live in a bottle. Like there was, there's a historical context. You know, oh, you see all these gays now walking around with like one earring dangling from their ear, and it's just like right that used to be a signifier of like i'm in the life you know like usually like you know like your george michaels you know like used to that was that was them shooting those hints you know and and again there's so much of that um struggle i suppose of that history that's just being erased by just this social media frivolity um and and it drives me crazy and so that's why like i really want to and you know and it's it's not a small issue because we are still dealing with AIDS. Absolutely. We are still dealing with prejudice. We are still dealing with ignorance. So it's, it's important not to forget how, unfortunately, how little things have changed in some ways. You know, like here in the U.S., um, you know, anti-HIV drugs are still <clears throat> so expensive, yes. even though they were developed with government funding. Yep. And, you know, we could provide them cheaply and basically wipe out AIDS in this country, but we won't do it because money and because fuck you. That's why. Yeah. Essentially that. And, and anyway, like, again, I I don't want to get too bogged down on this because I I also went in on it uh, when I was talking about Chile, but like, essentially it's just like, it is still a crisis. Um, People are, you know, dying less now. Um, because there are better medications and like, we've learned so much about the disease and like, thankfully stigma, even though it's not over, it, it has been reduced to a place where like people, you know, getting tested is normalized. Talking about it is more normalized. I mean, I, I, many of my friends are HIV positive and even though they don't broadcast it to the world, they do feel much more comfortable, uh, having a conversation about it. Like, you know, 10 years ago, I didn't know anybody who was HIV positive or at least nobody who had disclosed their status to me. Um, and so the fact that like now, at least I know people who, you know, who have disclosed their status to me, you know, a speaks to like a level of trust that I have earned 
which makes me uh, incredibly, you know, thankful and flattered that like I, I, I have cultivated these friendships with, with, with these people. But also like it, it speaks to, you know, living in, in, you know, in a world that it's uh, thankfully a bit more informed. Again, I'm just, you know, I just like to stress, you know, broadcasting things that you think are cool or nostalgic or, you know, that will make you, you know, that are like a, a social signifier, you know, doesn't, it actually erases more than it helps. I, I, I don't know. I just... Or if you do it, do it with pride. Do it remembering why, you know. Yeah, I mean, do that's it literally like what it is. it means, as opposed to as an accessory. Yeah. Yep. Perhaps. Yeah, exactly. Oof, an accessory. That is exactly what it's become. Uh, and I've seen so many people on social media, you know, just use this stuff, this like this virulent way of speaking today um, and using this history like t against people. Uh, like I, I distinctly remember um, this this guy like having an, a Facebook argument with someone uh, who was older and he this guy was like 22 uh, they're both gay and he was like you're like you know your brothers and sisters didn't die during the aid crisis for this and I was just like how, first what does this have anything to do with it like you know also like I know that you just think you were like really witty but like you really just merely use an entire generation of of queers who died for this for for like a comeback like Please don't throw people's trauma in their face. Girl, no, ma'am. I think that that should be like rule number one. <coughs> anyway, um, we have come to the end of this Pride episode. Um, and we are going to end it on a, on a lovely high note, I promise. Um, because We are. It's going to be an awesome note. But <laughs> before that, I think that if, there, if one theme has emerged in all of these great moments in... Latinx queer history, uh, it may be to remember that the first Pride was a riot. Ooh. And that, so maybe maybe this episode will be called Pride Riot. I don't know. Ooh, I like that. And yes, I, I mean, yeah, the first Pride was a riot. And yeah, I, I, I don't know. This all makes me think, because like, I feel like we've talked a lot about struggle and hurdles and and obstacles that like the community has faced and continues to face and like th there's still joy and i think that that's what you know like that to me is the, the true meaning of pride and and queer identity is 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 earned joy cuz like we have had to like start, you know overcome a ton of shit and find you know, joy, still find joy in it. Like something like the Met Gala recently with their whole camp thing. Like I feel like a lot of people miss the point. The point isn't just like you're over the top. The point is that like it, it's something that'll make you smile. There's, there has to be a sense of humor there. Like life is too serious. And like I, I identify with camp. If I, if I had to describe myself, I would say I'm camp. Um, because again, I, 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 like, I like being over the top, but it's always meant with a wink. It's always meant to spark a bit of joy. It's always meant to spark a, a conversation. Um, and, and again, I feel like that's what these artists are doing in their highs, in their lows. I, at the end of the day, I, I still feel like, you know, the community is joyful and, and I feel like that's what I want to keep highlighting. Um, before I think you did a better job of describing camp just now than, uh, <laughs> anyone on Twitter during that event. This is what I'm telling you. Twitter life is not real life. Turn, put down the phones. Okay, but step sometimes outside. Twitter's really fun. Anyway, it isn't. It's just messy. Anyway, it's fun. It's messy. I like it's it. It's messy at the expense of it. others. Anyway, uh, it's virulent, is what I'm going to say. So uh, <laughs> before we uh, intro our final track, um, let's uh, Beverly. Can you tell our beautiful, lovely listeners and your beautiful English that I don't actually get to use too much on this show anymore? Uh, where can they listen to this uh, beautiful show? 
Uh, you can listen on iTunes. We're still on Stitcher, yes, SoundCloud. Am I right? Yes, God. Excellent. And Apple Podcasts, um, of course. Yes. And uh, you can also, if you want to find us, um, we are at songmessmusic at Gmail. You can email us. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's see. At songmess on all uh, social medias. Yep, 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 yep. So that's us. Dope. And uh, again, I'll remind you, our Bops playlist is conti- is still being updated every week. I'm linking to that uh, in the show notes. Uh, if you want to support Song Mess, uh, you know, remember you can share the episode. Re- remember you can go on to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating with a beautiful little comment. Uh, visibility. If you email us, we will send you stickers yes, so you gone. can like like paper the inside of your local music venue. Yes. I mean, a, a number of people have actually reached out since the last episode. So like, that's actually pretty cool. Like keep writing y'all. Um, yeah. And um, I will personally send you stickers and I may slip a few other um, Latin indie related adjacent treats in there. Mm-hmm. And of course, um, uh, if you want to support song mess financially, uh, we have an online store, uh, songmess.threadless.com, Um, and you can, uh, buy like t-shirts, sweatshirts. Um, I don't know, uh, uh books, mugs, whatever you want. We got it. Baby onesies. Baby onesies and then people it. can be like, Oh, if you heard about song mess, do you listen to song mess? And you can be like, I've been there, done that, bought the t-shirt and the mug. Absolutely. Help us sell out like the pride industry and like, you know, get a Wrangler sponsorship or Altoids or whatever. Um, but, <laughs> but we have one more song. Oh, before we go, I actually uh, wanted to make a small announcement. I kind of wanted to do it at the top of the show, but whatever. Everything flowed really nicely. Um, after this episode, I'm doing a deep dive into uh, the Costa Rican indie scene. I did 12 interviews. I may secure a 13th one. Not sure if that's going to happen, so let's see what happens. But essentially, like, it's 12 interviews with different uh, musicians from different uh, scenes and, and genres uh, in, in Costa Rica. I was, I was there about a month ago by the time this airs. Um, and, like, I have, like, ambient producers, trap groups, indie musicians, uh, festival organizers, journalists. So, like, it's really, really cool. It's really, really diverse. Uh, because it's 12 episodes, maybe 13, I'm going to be releasing... Uh, two episodes a week um, so just be conscious of that I mean I just don't want to be in Costa Rica for three months and like by the time the last episode airs it's going to be like hella dusty um, so you know I just I, I, I want to I wanna invite you all into this like awesome little world uh, the, this incredible vibrant DIY scene that's happening out there um, no, Costa Rica is amazing I want to go so bad and I got some fucking gets I like I couldn't believe some of the some of the people that spoke to me so um, that's that's as much I just wanted to give you guys a heads up that that's basically what's going to happen uh, over, after this episode over the coming weeks um, and I can't wait for you all to hear it um, but yeah we have one more song uh, we have the patron saint of, uh, as far as I'm concerned, of queer pop music. And this is, well, uh, no, of pop music, really. As far, I, I, I honestly cannot think of a bigger name in the Spanish-speaking world than Juan Gabriel. Like, when it comes to, like, music, I just can't think of anyone bigger than Juan Gabriel. Band. No, you definitely saved the best for last. Yeah, well, and, and, like, and again, I wanted to go on a high note. I was thinking of opening with the song, and then I saw the Cumbia Queers track, and I was like, no, 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 we're, <laughs> we're going to talk about Cumbia Queers. But, um, yeah, Juan Gabriel is... Um, 
I mean, what isn't he? You know, he, you know, he was a fucking trailblazer, um, you know, wrote over 1800 songs. Um, he is like responsible for either catapulting or reviving the, the, uh, the, the careers of countless stars like Rosie Durca, like, uh, like Jose Jose, um, you know, and so I, I just, I wanted to highlight something, uh, a, a song from his iconic performances uh, at El Palacio de Bellas Artes. This is in 1990. Uh, when I was in Guatemala, I was actually able to find this very, very famous live album on vinyl. And I was like, take my money. I don't care what you're about to charge me. Um, you know, this was uh, extremely controversial when it happened because it was the first time that uh, the fine, this such a fine arts, this kind of fine arts institution, this opera house, had welcomed a non-traditionally uh, fine arts-oriented uh, performance. So it's usually like operas and ballets and theater, and this was a pop uh, performance, and 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 like it was it was panned. Uh, before the show happened, and then when uh, it was two nights sold out, and like the president came, and people and dignitaries from different countries came, and like everybody who was everybody was there, and uh, again, it just speaks to you know a certain level of transcendence. It speaks to like good art can transcend anything, um, you know, and and yeah, and the power of Juan Gabriel. And I wanted to play Debo Hacerlo. This is like a nine-minute track. I'm not gonna have you know a nine-minute song playing. I'll, I'll you know it, definitely trim it. It can play us out. It's definitely gonna play know. us yeah. out. but it's a fabulous. Um, I track. watched the video for this, by the oh, way, cool. that you sent, yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, that was amazing. <laughs> yeah, he's crazy. Uh, he's that so was good. so epic. Yep. No, um, Juan Gabriel was living, and so was everyone in that place like uh i don't know watch the video again if you missed it but i really i think my favorite was the violinist wearing um the sequin top who was getting <laughs> like she got up and she was getting down yes. that was great yeah i mean and this the 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 there is it's a it's a it's a concert film i mean it's it's uh two the two days are spliced in with the other um and i like whenever i used to have anxiety i used to just put it on and like it would immediately calm me because uh, he's just so funny. He's just so charming. He's so talented, just moving around, just such a fabulous singer. I mean, the, the, the iconic version of Amor Eterno that everybody knows is taken from that live performance. It's not the album version. So, yeah, there's just so, there's so much gold in that, in that, um, in that concert film. Uh, I highly recommend it, and that's what we're going to listen to now. Again, this is Debo Hacerlo uh, by Juan Gabriel. Uh, my name is Richard Villegas, and uh, thank you, Beverly, for joining us again. I can't wait until next time. Ow. Okay, so we'll catch you guys next time. Happy Pride! Bye, guys.
Thank you.